Welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. I'm your host, Russ Thornton, and today I am excited to be uh, to introduce you to a, a friend and colleague, Jeannie McGee. Uh, Jeannie is a loan officer with Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, um, and um, she focuses on, among other things, she focuses on helping people with uh, reverse mortgages, and that's one of the things I wanted to uh, to have her talk about today. So, Jeannie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Russ. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't, uh, for, for folks that aren't familiar with you, uh, why don't you take a moment and just tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do? Yes, Jeannie McGee. I have been a reverse mortgage planner for the last 19 years, believe it or not. Uh, it's the only kind of loan that I've ever done. So I've on- I can only speak to reverse mortgages. Uh, I actually have a degree in design, so um, I I have a creative side, uh, but I fell into doing reverse mortgages 19 years ago when I visited a friend who I had met in Kenya, East Africa, and ended up going to Philadelphia to visit with him, and he was doing reverse mortgages, and he piqued my uh, interest at that time. I came back, did a lot of research. And he has become my mentor. He's still doing reverse mortgages in Philadelphia. And I fell in love with being able to help people and have been doing them ever since. Well, that's uh, that's super helpful. I appreciate the introduction. Um, and I think, Jeannie, most people are probably familiar with the term reverse mortgage, but I suspect many people probably don't understand exactly what it is and perhaps perhaps just as importantly don't understand what it isn't. Um, I know um, I know people have probably seen some um, older celebrities pitching uh, reverse mortgages on TV in the past. Um, and I think there's a general level of skepticism a- around uh, reverse mortgages, probably because they've probably seen some some older celebrity personalities, you know, pitching them and talking about the pros and cons. So, I think it'd be helpful if you could just take a minute or two and talk to us a little bit about what a reverse mortgage is, and uh, and then I'm sure that'll lead us into some other interesting uh, interesting discussions. Absolutely. So interestingly, the reverse mortgage people don't know is has been around for over 30 years. It was actually signed into law back in 1988 by President Reagan. So it, it is an FHA mortgage. It's a mortgage. I mean, people try to make it. Uh, to be more than what it is. It's actually a mortgage that's recorded in the county deed records. And we have started calling it a retirement mortgage because it is a mortgage specifically for folks who are 62 years of age or older. And it allows them to do a variety of things. But the two uh, categories, it either allows them to refinance their current home to do a reverse mortgage on that and The reason they would do it is that with a reverse mortgage, there's no required monthly mortgage payment. So when you're in retirement, your largest line item in your monthly budget is usually your mortgage. 40% of retirees are still making a mortgage payment, which means that money is not being invested. That money is not being used for vacations and other things. They're, They're creating equity with making a mortgage payment. So that's that's the one that most people hear about. The Tom Selleck of the world uh, recommends and has 
It's about people use that to supplement their monthly income, to pay off a mortgage so they can retire. People use it to uh, help either buy long-term care insurance or to set aside money for long-term care should they need it. They use it so that they can, um, you know, be more efficient with their uh, ta- their taxes, income taxes, to have more money for their long retirement and even to build up a better retirement. So or, uh, even to, I'm sorry, not just a better retirement, but also to have a bigger legacy, believe it or not. So people feel like if they could pay off that mortgage, and divert those funds to other areas, they actually end up leaving more money for their heirs. The other way that people use it, and this area is really growing, is that you can buy or build a house with a reverse mortgage. Uh, And I do a CE class teaching realtors about this because a lot of realtors don't know that this is possible if their client is 62 or older. They can list and sell the house that the client is in because the house that you buy in your 30s and 40s often is not the same house you, you want or need in your 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, when, you, when you buy a house in your 30s or 40s and you have children, you need two stories often. You need lots of bedrooms and bathrooms. So there's a lot of people in houses that no longer fit them. And Realtors who understand this can help list and sell that house, uh, especially in a market like we're in now that is a big seller's market, right? So they're going to get top price for that house. And then whatever they net from that house uh, after they pay off any mortgages and pay the realtor fees, they can use that as a one-time down payment toward the purchase of a new house or a new build, and then they don't have any mortgage payments. So the the new house is paid a combination of half of it is from the down payment that the borrower is bringing to the table from the sale of their previous house. The other half of it is the finance part portion, the reverse mortgage pays. So it's a win-win. They get a new house. Um, they have the opportunity to not have to make mortgage payments. So you can make mortgage payments with a reverse mortgage if you desire. So. That's a helpful explanation, and but it brings a couple of questions to mind. So, um, in the in the first scenario, so so you're not necessarily buying or building a home. You're maybe refinancing or using equity in your home to um, to create additional income in retirement. Let's say to to just help with cash flow and expenses, or maybe for long term care needs, etc. Uh, I know I know those are the couple of examples you gave. Um, does the home have to be paid off um, or can there be a mortgage in place, still be a mortgage balance in place? Um, does, does, a, does an existing mortgage balance prevent the utilization of a reverse mortgage, assuming the uh, homeowner is uh, age 62 or older? No, in fact, uh, many of the clients that I serve actually have a mortgage and they're wanting that mortgage to be paid off. So the reverse mortgage needs to be in the first lien position. And if they have a current mortgage, the only way another mortgage could be in first lien position is to pay it off. So there is a requirement when you do a refinance that you qualify for enough to pay off that mortgage that you have or have the ability to bring the money to the table. So, for example, I have a client who um, 
qualifies for almost enough to pay off her mortgage. She's trying to retire in December and she wants to get her expenses down as much as possible. She still has 18 years of mortgage payments and she's 70, right? So she doesn't want to continue to make mortgage payments until she's 88. And so she's applied for a reverse mortgage, but her house didn't appraise for what she thought it would. And so she's bringing $20,000 to the table along with what the reverse mortgage provides to help pay off the current mortgage. So in her case, she didn't qualify quite for enough to pay off her mortgage, but she's willing to bring that $20,000 to the table because she'll pay about $20,000, you know, in the next year and a half in mortgage payments anyhow. So she's, she's comfortable doing that. So to use, to use your client's example that you just told us about, she's 70. She has another 18 years of mortgage payments. She wants to eliminate those. She's got to bring a little cash to the table to, uh, to basically meet the the minimum refinance requirements for the re- reverse mortgage, um, I, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds, but ha- like I, I hesitate to word to use the word technically, but technically, what happens? So uh, I, I guess I want to understand like practically uh, does does your company, for example, couple uh, example, come in um, basically take first lien on the house, pay the existing mortgage off, and then then all the homeowners required to do is pay taxes and insurance going forward? Correct. That's exactly right. So it is a mortgage. So it's, it would be the same as her refinancing into a conventional mortgage to get a lower interest rate, right? So she, except for if she did a conventional mortgage, she'd, she'd be responsible for the taxes, the insurance, the HOA fees, but she'd also be responsible for a monthly payment. In our scenario, she, she's still responsible as the owner for her property taxes, her homeowner's insurance, and her HOA fees, but with a reverse mortgage, she has an optional payment. So she can make payments or she won't, or she can. She can decide not to. In her case, she probably will not because she doesn't have to and she's trying to reduce her monthly expenses. So what, I, I guess, what what makes those optional payments optional? Like what what is a... What is a set of circumstances where the optional payments maybe aren't as optional uh, or, or maybe asked a different way? Uh, is there a set of circumstances where um, where a client does refinance using a reverse mortgage um, with the expectation that they won't have any future payments? Is there, is there ever a scenario where they could have to uh, make payments or, uh, I, I guess, put another way, what's, what's the... What's the risk or, or downsides, if any, or are there any surprises? Uh, surprises isn't the best word. Are there any other considerations that people need to be aware of if they're considering a reverse mortgage? Well, so so you asked a couple of questions, and I'll say there's never a scenario where they have to make mortgage payments with a reverse mortgage. That's just the way the mortgage is designed. It's designed that you it, that you don't. That's why it's called reverse. Instead of them making mortgage payments and creating equity, they they don't have to make mortgage payments, right? Until, so the loan is not due until one of four things happens. It's when they die. And if it's a husband and wife, it's when they both die. If it's, um, I, I did a loan once with three sisters that live together. So it's when everybody on the, on the title and the mortgage dies. When they permanently move out, that's everybody. When they sell the house, 
or the note says when they turn 150 years old. And the reason uh, they require that 150, because the reverse mortgage is not a 15 or 30 year mortgage. It's a mortgage that's not due until the, the last borrower no longer occupies the home. We don't know when that is. So we just add, we make them 150 and that's the date we put on the mortgage note to say that's when it's due. Got it. Got it. And, and, and to your second question in terms of is there any surprises or anything that will, you know, come up? So the only thing that happens after you close on a reverse mortgage is you are required every year they send out a little notice and ask, are you still occupying the home? Because you can only do a reverse mortgage on a home that's your primary residence. So they send out this what we call an occupancy affidavit. And all you have to do is mark yes and send it back. That's, that's the only requirement. And you are responsible for paying your property taxes and your homeowner's insurance because the only way you can foreclose on a reverse mortgage rust is to not pay your property taxes, right? So that's, so you can't foreclose for not making payments, but you could, you could be foreclosed on because that's the terms of the loan. You have to keep up with your with your property taxes because a property tax lien is actually a lien that's superior to a mortgage. People don't know that, but it's it's that important to pay your property taxes. Right, but that's that's no different whether you're talking about a traditional mortgage or a reverse mortgage, correct? Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, interesting. So, could you? Um, and I know uh, I know Jeannie that. Uh, and then the last couple of months, uh, one of my colleagues that I had suggested reach out to you, um, uh, another financial planner uh, here in the Atlanta area, um, one of her clients uh, I know uh, decided to go through the uh, reverse mortgage process with you. And, and she's told me uh, in no uncertain terms that it actually turned out to be a really, a really great solution for her clients. Um, um, although she she admitted, like myself, that, you know, uh, before talking to you, she had some skepticism and some concerns about, you know, what a reverse mortgage is. And and I personally, I would attribute that largely to just ignorance on my part and not having a full understanding of the the bells and whistles, pros and cons, ins and outs of how they actually work. So I'm really thankful that, you know, we can have this conversation and, and share it with uh, with my listeners and, and and help educate them a little bit more about what a reverse mortgage is and where it where it might make sense for for them or for maybe an aging parent or uh, other friends and family members. So um, so I'm I'm really I'm really grateful that uh, we're having the conversation today, Jeannie. Um, what? Yeah. What What do you? Uh, you've already talked on about some of this, but what would you say is the biggest challenge that you help people address or solve through your work? So the biggest challenge, you just mentioned it, Russ, and that is uh, um, being uh, uneducated about the product. Like, And so we and I, the company I work for, Fairway Independent Mortgage, and I spend a lot of time talking to three main groups. We do a lot of education with financial planners, uh, advisors. We have a two-hour CE for CFPs. We do a lot of education because financial planners, super smart people, understand money. They just don't understand mortgages, right? And they certainly don't understand the reverse mortgage. So we do a lot of education 
to them because they either, and there's a lot of buzz in the financial planning community about using equity as a way to supplement income, save on, you know, do Roth conversions. They're doing a lot of these days using housing wealth to pay those taxes. So these, all these strategies that we uh, educate financial planners on, we also do a lot of education to realtors, especially in a market like, like now where the inventory is super low and there's lots of people, as I mentioned earlier, who are 62 or older in houses they raise their children in and can't get up the stairs. I mean, really, they, they, I had a client call and said, Jeannie, I have to get out of this house. I don't have a master on the main and I struggle to get up the stairs every night, right? That's a house that's no longer fitting them. Realtors don't know that. They don't know that they can list and sell a house. That's the transaction they get. They don't know that they can then help their older adult client get into a house that works for them and be able to buy double what they think they can. For example, I had a client who was selling the house and all she netted after she paid her mortgage and her realtor fees is $150,000. And she's thinking, there's no way I can buy a decent house with $150,000 in the Atlanta area. And she's right. There's no way, right? And so she's thinking, I don't want to. She was 70. She was thinking, I don't want to take on a 30-year mortgage in my 70s. I'm retired. I don't want to pay a mortgage until I'm 100, right? And so she's thinking she's stuck because all she has is $150,000 worth of equity. But for the realtor who understands the reverse mortgage, that lady can actually buy or build a $300,000 house because the money goes much further. She's bringing the 150 that she nets from the sale of her current house that no longer fits her. We're bringing the other 150 to the table. She's in a house that fits her without a mortgage payment. So that's the power of the reverse, what we call the reverse mortgage for purchase or the Heckam for purchase. Realtors don't know that. So we do a lot of education to them to, sh to share with them how the product works, how it can benefit their clients, and how it can honestly allow them to serve more older adults. And then, of course, we do lots and lots of education with realtors, I mean, with uh, consumers who see the, you know, the ads on TV, but the ads are only 30 seconds and they have so many questions and they don't understand it. So education is the biggest challenge we face every day. Yeah. Well, you and I, you and I were talking before we hit record about uh, the uh, the benefits and the opportunities to educate people about, you know, whether it's re reverse mortgages or financial planning in general. Um, uh, you know, it's just there's just so many opportunities to help people, uh, you know, get get their questions answered, uh, get better informed, so they can make uh, more educated decisions about things. And, and clearly, reverse mortgages are are no exception. So, um, um, so I, I appreciate that perspective. Um, I know, I know you've mentioned that you do spend a lot of time with financial advisors and planners like myself, uh, along with realtors and other professionals, um, in addition to the educational services and work that you do for in consumers. But if, if you're thinking about like uh, an, an, an individual, so uh, let's say, uh, let's say it's a, well, you've already stated they, you know, for a reverse mortgage to be on the table, they have to be 62 or older. So let's say you're talking to a woman who is 65 years old. Um, could you paint a little, could you paint a picture for us of like, who is a, an ideal candidate for a reverse, uh, mortgage? And, and I know, I know it, 
the answer is probably it depends, but could you give us an idea of, of, of who, who might think to themselves, maybe based on a description you can give us uh, that maybe, maybe a reverse mortgage might be something they should consider? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and, it, and, and it's a very specific question because I'll tell you, Russ, 73% of my clients are women. 73. It's not like I just market to women. It's because women live longer than men. And the typical situation I find is that there's a couple and um, their kids have left the nest and they end up buying a new house. You know, the kids are gone. They no longer need the house that they used to have. They downsize and they're in their, let's say they're in their 50s, mid 50s, 55, right? And they take out a 30-year mortgage on a new house so that they can downsize. Now, if they take out a 30-year mortgage when they're 55, that means they're going to be making that mortgage until they're 85. And they don't think about, very rarely do couples die at the same time. It just doesn't happen very frequently unless they're in a car accident or a plane accident. So typically, one predeceases the other. Usually, it's the husband. The wife is left, and they don't redo the mortgage just because her husband died. She still has to make that mortgage payment. And so people don't think about that. They don't look into the future. They just they just know that they can afford the mortgage at the time they were qualified for it, and they make it until their income drops. And then that's when there there's something that happens. And then they don't have the, the same kind of monthly income that they used to have. I see that situation a lot. So that's something that, um, you know, I tell people to think about the future and not just here and now. Most of my clients don't, quote, need the reverse mortgage. So that it's not like they don't have money or they don't have what they need. It's not like they don't have assets under management. Most of my clients have assets under management. They have money. But what they're concerned about is the future. They're concerned about some of those risks that come. What if somebody predeceases uh, the other? What if I live longer than what I planned? Because I have a client that's 99. People are living longer. What if I do need long-term care and we didn't buy it early when it was cheap? It's too expensive now. We don't have long-term care. I've seen people go through lots and lots and lots of money because they have a long-term care issue that, that persists, that kept, you know, was chronic and they just needed the care for years and years and years. So most of my clients are women who are in that situation and they, and they even, even those who plan, they're concerned. What if I live too long and I don't have enough money? That's, that's the typical client. Now it's not like I won't serve men. I do have men. They're just a smaller percentage of my practice. And the second percentage would be couples who are trying to plan for the future, right? Couples, and they typically are part of the mass affluent. And that's people that, you know, have money. They have somewhere between 300 and a million and a half under management. They have money, but they're concerned about whether or not that money's going to last as long as they do. Yeah, I, it sounds like it really just brings another level of flexibility and choice to people. Um, gives them maybe a little bit more of a sense of financial independence, which I can only imagine is important to a lot of folks, especially at that stage of life. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a home is a uh, illiquid asset, right? It's an asset, but it's illiquid. And, and I tell people when people say, well, I have my home paid off and I don't owe, uh, own, owe anybody on the, on the house. I say, I'm sorry to hear that. And they look at me, you know, it's a way of really kind of engaging them. And it's because that money can't be spent. That's it's equity. It can't be eaten. You can't, you can't go on vacation with it. It's great to have. It probably gives you peace of mind and you sleep better at night, but that money is not working for you. And so it's just a way of being more efficient with, with, with your, what you have. It's a way of being more efficient. And that's why people like Wade Fow and Jamie Hopkins and um, others who've done research doing all these Monte Carlo simulations saying, when does it make sense to engage your equity into the whole retirement picture? And all of their research says it makes sense early, not late. Don't wait until you're 85, you're running out of money, and you're still healthy and your husband has died. That's not the best time to use it. The best time, like anything, is when you're young and you're planning for the future. So you plan with using the equity in a way that makes sense, that allows you to have more monthly income, to save on taxes, to have a better retirement, right? Have a bigger retirement. Because if you could divert the money that you're making in mortgage payments, just think about even your practice, Russ. If you thought about all the people in your practice who are 62 or older, still making a mortgage payment, and, 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 our, and our stats say it's about 40% of retirees still making a mortgage payment, if they just diverted that $20,000 to you as a planner instead of, put it in, in, instead of making a mortgage payment, how would that make a difference in their retirement um, uh, efficiency and their ability to have enough money to last? It's an interesting question, and I, I you know, I, I think the, I think that maybe the even more interesting question is if someone's in their sixties, um, and can qualify for a reverse mortgage and it's appropriate, and it does, let's say, it does free up twenty thousand dollars a year in additional cash flow. Um, uh, I, I think the more interesting question is, is yeah, they could maybe save it and invest it for the future, but I, I'd also want to see them, you know, if they can afford to uh, use the money and, and you know improve their lifestyle to, to be able to spend more time with, you know, their kids or grandkids or travel or, you know, give to charity or whatever's important to them. So I, I think it, I think it's not a foregone conclusion that, you know, any freed up cash would be invested uh, or added to a portfolio or saved. Um, although clearly that's one option. I think the, I think the more interesting or more holistic uh, way to look at it would be to, to look at what's important to the client and, and look at what they can afford to do and, and kind of make decisions uh, on that basis. But I take your point. It's it's interesting. I, to consider. I, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. but I, I I do take your point. It's interesting to consider what you know potentially another twenty thousand dollars a year in free cash flow could do to uh, to someone's life and lifestyle. Um, you know, in their sixties or seventies or or beyond. And you mentioned earlier, Jeannie, that I think you said seventy plus percent of your clients are, are women, um, and and that's one of the reasons I was so excited to. Um, to have this conversation with you, because as you know, this is Women's Retirement Radio, and, and clearly uh, the work you're doing has, a, has an impact, um, uh, if not directly, certainly indirectly on uh, women as they're planning for and transitioning into, uh, into retirement. So um, I, I just find this, I find your work in this conversation and this 
and using reverse mortgages as part of a financial plan. Uh, fascinating, frankly. Um, so yeah. um, I know you've shared a couple of examples already, but can you, you know, when you think of, you've been doing this for 19 years, when you think of all the clients and families you've worked with and helped, uh, what comes to mind as a favorite client success story for you? Oh, wow. Um, well, I'll hearken back to what you just said and reiterate that, that it is true. It's, it's, it is based on what the client is trying to accomplish. So that's the first question I asked. And I, and I probably would guess that that's what you're, you asked too. What are you trying to accomplish? What's your goals, right? Yeah, exactly. And somebody, somebody said to me today that lots of people live their life saying, if I could only get through this week, then I'll be okay. And if I, I could only get through this week. And we live our lives that way, um, not thinking, how do I want to thrive? What do I want to do? How can I do it, right? And you're right. Lots of times I've talked to enough financial planners. They say that people that are meticulously, you know, uh, putting money away, putting money in their investment portfolio, their biggest issue is when it's time to start spending it, they don't want to spend it, right? <laughs> they, they don't want to take that vacation. They don't want to because they're scared, right? They, I'm sure you have clients like that. They've, they've, they've done good, right? They've done good, but you have to encourage them to spend the money to have this life because we only get this one life. So one of the, my favorite ones is a woman that I've served over the years. This is my oldest client. She's 99. And she has actually done three reverse mortgages with me. And she's my, she's my favorite, not just because she's done business with me and trusted me with this, but it's because she's lived much longer than she ever thought she would and she even said that, Jeannie, I never thought I'd live this long. And the reason she's been able to redo her reverse mortgage three different times, one, is she keeps, she keeps staying alive, right? She's alive. But the other is that she uh, wanted to age in her home, right? She didn't want to move. She had the option of moving into a facility, but she didn't want that. That's not what she wanted. And the reverse mortgage has changed over those years. And so as the reverse mortgage max, what we call the maximum claim amount has increased and her house value has continued to increase, she's been able to continue to get money out so that she could live the life she wants to live. So I think that's super important to be able to live with dignity in the way you want to live and not be forced to live somewhere you don't want to live. So that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, what a, what a great story. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, you uh, you mentioned a phrase a moment ago uh, about you know we only get we only get one shot at this life and that's something that I um, I, I say those very words often when I'm talking to people so it, it's really about figuring out how you want to live uh, what's important to you what's important to the folks that you care about and then you know trying to make a plan yeah. to make that work and so um, I, I love I love that story and and how that kind of that thread kind of carries through that as well um, so we've covered a lot. Uh, Jeannie, I'm, I'm sure we could probably talk for another two hours and not uh, have to catch our breath. But um, since this is Women's Retirement Radio um, and, and it all comes back to uh, retirement issues uh, around women and their families as they're planning for retirement. And, and clearly, reverse mortgages you know, could play an important role in that. Um, I'm curious, when you, when you think about the word retirement, what comes to mind for you personally? Personally, for me, 
I feel like I go by this retirement should be fun. It's just, I just feel like retirement after you've worked so hard and so long, it should be fun. Now there's some things that could happen in retirement that aren't always fun, but back to what we talked about, we only get this one life. It should be fun. <laughs> so when I think about my own retirement, what's fun to me is travel. I like to travel internationally. I, I'm just curious about the world. I'm curious about cultures and people and, and different foods and terrain. So that's fun to me. And that's personal, right? Whatever's fun to you uh, might not be the same fun I have, but I do think that retirement should be fun. So that would be my mantra about retirement. Yeah, well, fun's, fun's a great word to, uh, to associate with retirement. So I, I really like that. Um, and then I guess dialing in more specifically to retirement for women, what, what, what do you see as maybe the biggest challenge that women specifically face when they're planning for their own retirement? I think that um, the lack of information, I, I do think that often when a woman is married and her, she and her husband are working toward retirement, often she allows her husband to take the lead on that. And if he predeceases her, and I see this a lot, she has not been an integral part of that conversation. So often she's kind of out of the loop. She didn't develop the relationship with the planner. She doesn't know some of the stuff that her husband did, and she feels ill-equipped to handle it. So that's what I, I think that it's important for women to be empowered uh, to engage in the conversations, knowing what's going on, and also for planners to in specifically engage the, the wife, not just the husband, to develop that relationship with the wife. The other thing that I see that I think is super important, I, I'm a 14-year um, breast cancer survivor, Russ. I found out that I had breast cancer back in 2007 on Halloween. So it was the scariest Halloween ever, right? Wow. And, but the thing that I learned, yeah, the, but the thing that I learned about that in that whole experience is that I didn't have just have one doctor. I had lots of doctors. I had a nutritionist. I had an oncologist. I had a surgeon. I had, um, I had different nurses. I had, a, I had a variety of doctors. I had my internist. And they all collaborated to make sure I got the best care that I needed. And so I think that it's super important, and this is kind of the way I do my business, to bring in a variety of people that understand different things, right? So that's why I collaborate with financial planners. I collaborate with the CPA and the attorney and the estate planning attorney and the realtor. I collaborate, and that's where women can get the best outcome is having professionals who are on their team helping them set things up in such a way that they do get success. They do get to reach those goals. I think that's super important. And I think it's uh, something that women do naturally. I think women are natural uh, collaborators. They have lots of friends, but often the professionals don't talk to one another. And I think that's important. I think professionals need to talk to one another just like you do in medicine because if you don't you know in medicine if you don't collaborate with if the surgeon if my surgeon did not collaborate with my oncologist i could sue them probably for negligence right <laughs> like you didn't talk to my oncologist 
but we don't have that same kind of standard when we're talking about our finances. And I think it behooves women to, to kind of help um, facilitate that collaboration. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't have said that better, and and that's one of the motivations for this podcast, frankly, to uh, to highlight some of the other wonderful professionals out there that um, are um, are genuine and authentic, and really want to do right by their clients. And you know, I I, I am one of the first to admit that I I'm really good at what I do, but I can't do I can't do nor can I know everything, and so that's why I I like to surround myself with other complimentary professionals like yourself and like CPAs, uh, tax and legal experts, uh, things like that. So I, I really, I really love the collaborative team message. I think that's really, uh, really important. And I'm, uh, I'm glad you've highlighted that. Um, Jenny, as we wrap up, I always like to ask this, I know you're busy uh, with your business and uh, with your educational efforts, but uh, if you ever have an hour or two all, all to yourself, how do you most enjoy spending it when you've got a little free time? Oh, what a great question, Russ. Thank you. <laughs> well, I have uh, three sons, and two of them are college graduates. One of them is still a junior in college, but he lives on campus. Uh, so I, I have two great things that I really like. I, I have lots of interests, but... One of them is uh, exercise. I, I just, I, I like to run. I like to hike. I like to bike. I like to I do yoga. So anything physical is just really fun for me. Uh, so I like that. And I also am a big reader. So I'm just a big reader. I just like books and I like to read books. I like to learn new things. Um, and I guess the most recent book that I read was a book called who, not how, by Dan Sullivan. And so that, that book has really resonated with me. So those two, apart from, uh, also, I told you earlier, I have a art degree. So I still uh, do art, uh, primarily fibers, uh, weaving, and that kind of thing uh, in, my, in, my, in my spare time. Yeah, so. Wow. I, I'm, thanks for sharing that. Um... And interestingly, I've read I've read that same book, um, and I I really got a lot out of it. So uh, I'm, it's interesting you mentioned that one. Um, but I always like it when my uh, when when my guests are you know share a little bit more about themselves as a as a person. So uh, so thank you for that. Um, uh, wrapping up, Jeannie, if, if there were we've covered a lot. Um, we there's probably a lot more we could cover yet. But um, if there were one thing that our listeners could take away from our conversation today, what would you want that one thing to be? What I would say is if what you thought about reverse mortgages was wrong, when would you want me to tell you, right? So there's just so much negativity about the product and, frankly, ignorance about it. Um, and so I would say if you were wrong, when would you want to know? When would you want me to tell you? So be open, right, because things have changed so much. Just be open to learning. And if I can ever be helpful to any of your, your listeners or just have a conversation, I don't try to sell. I just try to educate. I'm always open to that. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a great place to wrap things up today. And, and I want to thank you again, Jeannie, for joining us. Um, I think this has been a great conversation. I know, I know my listeners are going to get a lot out of it. Um, if someone's interested in 
talking to you or learning more, um, getting in touch, what's the best way for people to, to reach out and, and keep up with, to, to either reach out to you directly or to keep up with what you're working on? Yes, yeah, so they can either call me. I'm always open to having a conversation at 404-388-1885. They can email me. I'm at genie, G-E-N-I-E dot McGee, M-C-G-E-E at Fairway, F-A-I-R-W-A-Y-M-C for mortgagecompany.com. Or they can go to my website, which is www.fairwayreverse.com slash Jeannie-McGee. So any of those ways they can, or they can um, connect with me on social. I'm, I'm on social media too. So. Great. Well, well, we'll be sure to share all of those links and emails and phone numbers in the show notes for this episode. Um, um, along with some of the other resources you've mentioned and, and, and pointed people to. Um, and um, Jeannie, thank you. This has been great. I've enjoyed the conversation. Always enjoy speaking with you. Um, and uh, I think this was a, a super interesting topic for us to dig into a little bit. Might have, to, might have to have you back again in the future to continue the dialogue. But I, uh, I, I just wanted to say thank you. Well, I want to say, say thank you to you, Russ, for the work you do with women and thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. It was a delight. Yeah, well, this was fun. I'm glad you could join us. And, uh, and for everyone out there listening, thanks for joining us. Uh, we look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Women's Retirement Radio. It's Russ again. And before you go, I want to provide a brief disclosure. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.